welcome to Menopause in the Kitchen, where we talk all things food and nutrition for women in their midlife years. I'm Rachel Cooper, dietitian and food lover, with a passion for sharing information about nutrition in practical ways, so that you can take what you need and implement it into your lifestyle. Join me in my kitchen as I share bite-sized chunks of information to help you nourish your body and thrive in your midlife years and beyond. Hello everyone and welcome back to Menopause in the Kitchen. I'm here in my kitchen today um, about to talk to you about another topic that's very topical in terms of um, women in their midlife years and that topic is iron, um, iron deficiency um, in particular but uh, I guess, you know, you, you can have iron deficiency, but um, if we want to think about prevention, we also want to be ensuring that we're eating enough iron to um, prevent iron deficiency. So, you know, we always want to be on the front foot. But of course, if you have been diagnosed with uh, low iron or iron deficiency or anemia, um, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, and I think it's really useful for people who maybe haven't even had any issues with their iron in the past, because, um, sometimes that can actually happen. For example, you know, I've never had an issue with my, um, iron levels myself, even during pregnancy, um, which is often a time where women can become iron deficient because our needs are much higher during pregnancy. Um, but yeah, never had any issue with iron in the past until recently. Um, so in the last sort of year or so, I've had low iron levels. So I guess even if you've never really had any issues, you never really know um, what's going to crop up um, in the future. And of course, as I said, we're always trying to look at um, prevention where possible. So understanding how iron works and why we need it and what sorts of foods to have um, you know, will certainly help uh, in terms of preventing any issues down the track. So that's sort of what we're going to be talking about today. So let's maybe start off with what iron is. Why do we even need it in the body? What is its purpose? Um, because if we have an understanding of that, we can then sort of see where the, where the symptoms come from and why we feel the way we do when our iron levels are low. Iron is a mineral. It's a mineral that the body can't produce itself. So we do need to get it from our food. Um, it's, it's one of those essential nutrients that our body needs to function um, and it needs to come from, from what we eat. Um, it's a really important, um, has a, an important role in the production of red blood cells and what it does is it helps make a protein called hemoglobin. Many of you may have heard of hemoglobin. It's really important in the body. Our cells can't survive without oxygen. So, um, you know, you can see how important iron is that, you know, it, it forms this um, component, this protein, hemoglobin, which then has that vital function of taking oxygen from the lungs and you know, traveling it around the body and, um, uh, you know, to all the cells of the body. So, so let's, um, talk about some of the symptoms that you might notice if your iron levels become low. And I guess it's important to know that, um, 
our iron levels sort of gradually become lower. We do store some iron in the body. Um, so even though we do need to keep replenishing it with um, eating foods that are high in iron, our body can store some. Um, but eventually, if we're not eating enough, those stores will start to drop off. So they'll start to deplete. And then eventually, if they you know drop off um, quite a bit, the hemoglobin levels then start to drop off. So um, so we can sort of go through a bit of a, a progression. So some of the early signs that um, many people might notice um, is tired, feeling tired and weak, um, fatigued. And we can often put that down to just our busy lives and think, oh, yeah, well, I'm just busy and I'm a bit run down and um, you know, and, and sort of ignore that tiredness. But if you're noticing that the fatigue is worse, um, or you know, even after a good night's sleep, you still feel tired right from the get go. Um, it's not just at the end of the day after a really busy day. Um, you know, if it's kind of just tiredness all the time, right from right from the morning. Um, and particularly if you notice a real change and you can't put it down to anything else, um, then that's something to sort of think, you know, this could possibly be an iron issue. Um, the other thing is in increasing infections and getting sick more often. Um, the red blood cells are really um, important part of our immune system as well. And um, so we tend to get sick more often. Again, we can put that down to, oh, I'm just a bit run down and I'm busy, but, um, you know, sometimes it's not just due to that. The other thing you may notice is um, being a little bit more breathless um, and particularly when you're doing more sort of aerobic exercise or higher intensity exercise, um, Yes, we can say, oh, but I'm I'm unfit. So of course I, you know, get puffed going up the stairs. But if you know what your fitness level normally is and doing things that you normally found um, you could do fairly easily and without too much sort of breathlessness, um, and then you're starting to find that it's becoming harder and you're getting more out of breath, that could be also a sign um, that, you know, your iron levels are low. Um, and then I guess and one of the other ones could be sort of poor memory or concentration. So if you just, it's also one of the signs of um, perimenopause, you know, that kind of brain fog. Um, so sometimes it can be hard to, to pinpoint. And really, if we think about all of those symptoms, those early symptoms you might notice with low iron, they can be due to lots of other things as well. So, you know, it doesn't mean that it could be something else, but it's certainly just maybe a little trigger for you to think, hmm, maybe I need to go and discuss this with my with my doctor. Now, of course, as things start to progress and um, the iron levels drop even further and the hemoglobin levels start to drop, we might start feeling some other symptoms um, like uh, dizziness um, and feeling really lightheaded. Um, maybe your heart beating quite, um, maybe a bit irregular or um, uh, sort of a, a bit faster um, or heart palpitations. So you might start noticing that um, more headaches. You might have cold hands and feet um, or a sore um, inflamed tongue. 
your nails you might notice get more brittle you might see that your appetite starts to drop off you're feeling irritable um, so all of those sorts of things can be signs of iron deficiency and, and often will happen sort of as um, the deficiency progresses. So these are the sorts of things that I guess to look out for. And if you're really noticing a change and you can't put it down to other things, and particularly if you feel like it's getting worse over time and not getting any better, um, definitely something to go and have a chat to your doctor about. So let's uh, now have a look at the causes so why why would we become iron deficient and why are um, maybe perimenopausal women um, you know at, at risk um, of um, of iron deficiency well actually any woman um, or any person who menstruates um, is at higher risk of iron defi- uh, deficiency because we're losing iron um, from the the blood during our um, menstrual period Um, so anyone who's menstruating has a higher iron requirement than anyone who isn't all right so uh, as um, as we sort of go through those usually teenage years maybe earlier where menstruation starts our iron um, requirements increase Uh, And right through while we're still menstruating, they continue to stay um, higher. Um, Probably the only other time that iron needs would be um, even higher than this would be during pregnancy. And then once we stop menstruating, so once we reach menopause, our requirements for iron then drop back again. Okay, but anyone who is menstruating is at higher risk because our requirements are higher. We're losing more iron each um, menstrual cycle. So I guess if during perimenopause, when our um, cycles might be going a little bit haywire, maybe you're bleeding more regularly. So you might have two periods in one month instead of one, for example, um, or you start having heavier bleeding, which um, can be one of the signs of perimenopause as well. So any sort of changes in that menstrual cycle. Um, and for some people, it might be that the periods become heavier where they haven't hadn't been before. And so therefore losing more blood, losing more iron at higher risk of iron deficiency. So that's one thing to kind of look at if there has been a change in your menstrual cycles where you're bleeding more. Um, then that could be, you know, a bit of a flag that you're, um, you might be at higher risk of, um, of low iron. Um, obviously reducing the amount of foods that we eat that are high in iron, um, can cause iron deficiency. So if you've, um, uh, if you're vegan or vegetarian or recently sort of, uh, converted over to, um, vegan or a vegetarian diet um, that could be one of the reasons that your iron levels have um, dropped off um, or you know any other reason where we're eating less than normal um, and particularly eating less um, meat or less of the other foods and we'll go into that in a moment the other foods that are high in iron The other thing that could be the cause is a a lack of absorption or a decreased absorption of iron. And there are some um, conditions where that can happen. And that might be something that your doctor may look into um, if they've sort of ruled out the other things and still can't work out exactly what's going on. 
Um, and also there could be uh, bleeding in other parts of the body. So it may not be due to um, menstrual cycles or maybe the menstrual cycles are just kind of an addition to other bleeding happening in the body. So it could be bleeding in the bowel um, or in the stomach from ulcers and things like that. So that's often another thing that the doctor will start to investigate. Is there any other bleeding going on in the body that could be causing um, the low iron. So it's really important to figure out what the cause is because down the track, that's what we want to focus on, um, you know, correcting the cause um, rather than just focusing on treatment. Because if we don't look at the cause, we can treat and treat and treat, but the issue is going to continue to be ongoing. Um, so that's one of the things that the doctor will do, ask you lots of questions to try to work out, okay, what could be your cause of um, uh, of low iron? So in terms of diagnosing um, iron deficiency, it really is just a simple blood test. It's quite um, quite easy. They will look at your hemoglobin levels, um, but even if your hemoglobin levels are normal, um, you can still have low iron or iron deficiency. It might be that your iron storage has um, has reduced. So the doctor can sort of look at both of those things. Um, they can look at uh, the the different factors um, affect that that they can look different factors that they can look at to diagnose iron deficiency. Um, so how much iron storage you have, for example, and then they can look at the hemoglobin to see whether the deficiency has progressed to anemia, which, like I said, is sort of, um, you know, a more more extreme um, form of iron deficiency. So, and then based on those levels, um, your doctor can then decide what is the best form of treatment. Um, you know, are, are your levels just a, a little bit on the low side? Are they really low? Is your hemoglobin low as well? And, and you're anemic. And then that can determine how they'll progress from there. So in terms of treating low iron, like I said, it will depend on what's going on. It'll depend on what your blood test results show. Um, if it's really low, if your levels are really low, and particularly if you have um, low hemoglobin um, and you're diagnosed with anemia, your doctor may prescribe um, a, an iron transfusion, which is really where you just go and they they deliver iron directly into your blood. Um, so just um, it's, it's an easy way to get iron levels back up really quickly. Um, and often if your levels are really low, starting with a supplement, an iron supplement might just take too long. Um, so by the time the levels sort of get up, it's, um, you know, progress for too long. And, you know, if you're having all these horrible symptoms, you kind of want to have um, have that treatment uh, quickly and get those iron levels up quickly. So, um, so yeah, you may need a transfusion if your levels are quite bad and that will just give you a quick boost of iron, um, possibly needing um, some iron supplements after that to sort of continue keeping the levels up. And, of course, always looking at what is the cause um, because if we don't treat the cause, you're going to be right back where you started again and back having another iron transfusion. So, yes, we need to treat, but we also need to work out why is this happening. Um, now, if your levels um, maybe aren't quite that low that you need a, an iron transfusion, um, you may be recommended to have a supplement um, instead of an iron supplement. 
um, depending on what your doctor says, it could be maybe for three months and then retest to see whether your levels have improved and then sort of go from there. Um, but as I mentioned um, earlier, we really want to be working on the cause and working on diet um, as well, like the foods that we're eating, even if the cause isn't because of, um, you know, really low iron um, consumption from our food, if it's from other other reasons, that could take a little while to um, diagnose and treat so in the meantime, we want to probably, you know, up our iron intake um, so that we can help to keep those iron levels up while, you know, your doctor's investigating or trying to treat those other causes that could be, um, you know, causing the, the, the low iron. So uh, that's what I'm going to talk about now being a dietitian. Obviously, that's going to be my focus is what are the foods that are going to help in the prevention and the treatment of iron deficiency. Now, as I said, if your levels are only just a little bit low, you may, you know, and, and particularly if it seems as though diet is the issue, um, you may just be sort of asked to work on, you know, eating more iron-rich foods and that might be all you need. But for many people, they will need some other form of treatment um, in conjunction with increasing the amount of iron that they're eating. So the best source of um, iron is, is meat um, and particularly red meat. Um, red meat has the highest amount of iron and meat has the type of iron that we call, there's two different types of iron in our food and the one in meat is called heme iron. And heme iron is really easily absorbed by the body, um, unless you have an absorption issue, as I mentioned earlier, as one of the, the possible causes. But in general, people will absorb iron, our bodies will absorb iron from meat uh, much more readily than from other sources. Um, so if you do eat meat um, and if you do eat red meat, that is really one area to focus on, you know, ensuring that you're having um, more of those sort of red meats. Um, you don't need huge amounts. <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking about eating, you know, massive um, steaks that are half the size of your plate or anything like that. But, you know, maybe just have a bit of a reflection on, okay, well, how much, how often am I eating red meat? Um, and, you know, could I possibly uh, increase that and have another meal or, um, um, you know, maybe make a little bit more of my evening meal and have some leftovers for my lunch the next day to kind of have a, have a little iron boost um, meal. Of course, red meat, is more expensive as well and that could be a barrier for some people and um, you know you, you may be focusing more on uh, chicken that may be more affordable um, you know I, I totally understand that red meat prices have certainly increased um, a lot recently and so sometimes it's just out of out of your budget to be increasing the red meat and having more of it um, and that's that's fine I'll, I'm about to talk about some of the plant um, plant sources of iron in a moment and you could you can maybe focus on those because they're often more affordable as well um, and the other thing is you may just decide that 
um, you don't want to eat meat for whatever reason that might be um, and you've decided to sort of focus more on plant-based foods um, and that's understandable too. Um, so, you know, if, if meat's not an option for you, um, there are others and um, there are a number of plant foods that we can have that are higher in iron as well. Um, the other thing that I didn't mention was eggs. Um, eggs are also high in iron. So if you if you do eat eggs, if that's kind of, um, uh, it can be uh, more affordable. Well, I have heard, I've, I've heard about um, overseas in, in Europe and maybe the United States, I think, where egg prices have really increased. Um, that doesn't seem to have happened in Australia here at, at the moment, but um, I think they're still more affordable than meat is my, my understanding. Um, but the, the iron that's in eggs and plant-based foods um, is what we call non-heme iron. And non-heme iron um, is a little more difficult for the body to absorb. So it's sort of bound, the iron's bound up um, and the body doesn't absorb it quite as well as heme iron from meat. Um, but never fear, it's, there's, there's ways around that. And one of the ways is by um, having some vitamin C or something rich in vitamin C with your meal or soon after the meal. And that actually helps increase absorption of iron. And I'll talk about that more in a moment. But let's have a look at what plant foods you can focus on that um, are high in iron. Um, things like nuts and dried fruits. Um, so that could be an excellent way to have a quick boost um, of iron is by having, you know, dried fruits and nuts as a, as a snack maybe or adding them to, you know, your breakfast cereal or something like that. Um, wholemeal pasta and rice, uh, legumes, uh, so the chickpeas, kidney beans, black beans, lentils, all of those sorts of um, things, uh, they're all high in iron, baked beans as well. Um, they're all high in iron as well. Um, I seem to, I, I noticed today as I was writing these notes that legumes come up a lot when I'm talking about nutrition for, for midlife women. Um, it's that, you know, they're high in so many different things that are beneficial to our health, um, that I'm starting to think I need to do maybe a podcast just on legumes <laughs> uh, because they just they, they just seem to hit the bill for um, so many different um, nutrients and different things that we're trying to um, focus on in terms of our health. But that's just a little um, side note there. Um, the other thing is dark leafy greens. Now, we often think of spinach as being um, high in iron, thanks to Popeye, who used to, you know, open the tin of... Um, spinach and his muscles would grow um, <laughs> um, but any dark green leafy veg it doesn't have to just be spinach so things like um, broccoli and kale uh, silver beet or chard um, you know any of those sort of dark green leafy veggies um, are high can be high in iron so it's not just spinach we can mix it up a little um, the other thing is uh, tofu. So particularly if you are focusing more on a plant-based diet and not eating meat, tofu is a wonderful source of protein. So it's a good, um, you know, uh, replacement for, for meat. Um, but it's also um, good in terms of the, the, the iron content. And the other thing is things like oats and breakfast cereals. Um, so oats can have some iron in it. Um, breakfast cereals often have iron added to it so they're like fortified in iron 
Um, so if you like breakfast cereal, if that's if if that's a thing for you um, and something that you enjoy, uh, breakfast cereals are a great way to get um, some more iron in. Um, so as I mentioned before, if we want to try to increase absorption of iron in the body, adding some vitamin C is going to be helpful. So either at the meal, so you know, having high vitamin C foods with your meal or sort of soon after um, can help with the absorption. So foods that are high in vitamin C are things like citrus foods, so oranges, lemons, and um, grapefruit and things like that. Tomatoes, um, berries, oh, tomatoes, well, tomatoes are a fruit, aren't they? Um, Berries and kiwi fruit, um, vegetables like green leafy vegetables uh, and capsicum or peppers. Um, So they're there's some examples of foods that are high in vitamin C. So you might want to look at trying to include some of those with your meal. So for example, if you're having a breakfast cereal or oats, adding some berries or kiwi fruit to it um, can help increase um, absorption. Um, You might have a salad with green leafy veg and some tomatoes and some capsicums. Um, So that could be like a, a side salad or you know, something that you sort of um, have as part of your meal. Um, Just a side note here that vitamin C is heat sensitive and water soluble. So what that means is that if you cook your food at really high temperatures, and particularly if you cook it for a long time, you will lose a lot of that vitamin C. It sort of gets deactivated. And the other thing is if you're boiling the foods in water, um, because vitamin C is um, water soluble, it will um, dissolve, some of the vitamin C will dissolve out into the water. So trying to think about cooking methods that, um, you know, require uh, less water, so not boiling, steaming, lightly steaming, stir frying, for example, and cooking them only just enough rather than, you know, really cooking the crap out of them, <laughs> uh, you know, like our, our grandparents may have done or maybe our parents. Um, so the less we can cook them and um, preferably not boiling them, so, you know, steaming or stir frying or something like that will help to retain the vitamin C. So that's just a little tip there um, with um, trying to improve the vitamin C content of the foods that you're having with your meal. <laughs> Um, now, finally, the last thing I wanted to talk about was there are some things that can inhibit absorption of iron. And I think it's important if we're really focusing on um, our foods and including more iron that we also think about what sorts of things may be um, stopping the iron from absorbing as well as it should. So vitamin C will help, but other things will hinder. And some of those are things like um, coffee, tea, and red wine, whether it's alcoholic or non-alcoholic, and they can reduce the um, absorption of iron. Now, I'm not saying don't have coffee or tea. Um, I couldn't live without my coffee myself. Um, But maybe not having it with a meal. So looking at having coffee, tea in between meals. So there's a bit of a buffer before and after Um, your meals um, so it won't sort of interfere as much with the iron absorption. 
The other thing that can reduce iron absorption are calcium-rich foods and calcium supplements. So things like dairy and so on are high in um, calcium. They can also help inhibit, um, they'll inhibit iron absorption. So it's just another thing to be aware of. Maybe, again, having these between meals. So um, we we, we obviously want to have calcium for strong bones, um, but we might want to look at trying to focus on having more of that um, in between meals rather than too close to our meals. So, you know, a yogurt or cheese and crackers or something like that for snacks rather than trying to include them as part of your meals. Um, and same with calcium supplements. If you're taking one, it might be best. Um, this is only if, you know, you're concerned about your iron levels, of course. Um, it may be best to have them between meals rather than, um, say, first thing in the morning when you're about to eat breakfast or, or whatever. So that's just a couple of other things to keep in mind that these these sorts of foods can reduce the amount of iron that we're absorbing from our food. Um, so what we want to do is just as a bit of a recap in terms of um, our, our food and iron, we want to be increasing those foods that are high in iron and rich in iron, particularly things like meat and red meats. But if, if not, we can look at those plant-based um, sources as well as eggs. Um, then we want to try to increase the chances of that iron being absorbed and that's by including foods that are high in vitamin C with the meal or close to the meal. And then we also want to look at trying to minimize those foods that inhibit iron um, too close to a meal. So the tea, coffee, wine and calcium rich foods. We want to try to focus on bringing them more into mid meals rather than with the meals. Um, and those three things can help to increase um, the amount of um, iron that we're getting from our food and hopefully uh, prevent iron deficiency. But if you do have iron deficiency, this may help to get your iron levels up in addition to whatever other treatments are being um, offered or suggested by your um, by your doctor. So in terms of just one little thing I just wanted to mention here is that if you suspect you have low iron because of the symptoms I mentioned, please don't start going and having iron supplements unless you actually know that you are iron deficient. So go to your doctor, have a simple blood test. They'll be able to tell you um, whether it is iron deficiency or not and um, also recommend what the best line of treatment for you might be. Remembering that some of those symptoms like tiredness and, and so on can be due to many other things. So don't just make that assumption and start taking supplements. It's really important that you check in, have a really good overview of what's going on, see whether there's any other causes, have those blood tests and then go by your doctor's recommendation. Um, but despite any of that, um, you know, whether you're iron deficient or not, eating foods that are high or rich in iron are certainly going to help keep our energy levels up and, um, you know, reduce our risk of infections and things like that um, and prevent, um, you know, prevent ourselves from becoming iron deficient in the first place. If we can do that, I think that's wonderful. That's always um, number one, but there are often things outside of our control um, that that may still happen and we might still end up being iron deficient like 
as I said, I mentioned that I have been. Um, so even a dietitian can be iron deficient. It's not just about the food. There's plenty of causes, plenty of reasons why this um, might be happening. So have a talk to your doctor and um, think about, have a talk about what your individual treatment plan um, might be. So that's the end of today's um, episode. I hope that was helpful for you. Like I said, whether you're iron deficient or not, um, you know, these are the sorts of things that we sort of want to be aware of in case it does happen. And and we always want to focus on prevention anyway. Um, Let me know if you have any questions or suggestions or comments, um, DM me or send me an email. Um, The other thing I just wanted to mention before I finish up is that I've created a free resource um, that is, it's kind of like a shopping list, a grocery list um, for uh, women in menopause or, you know, midlife. So if you're perimenopause, uh, postmenopause, and it focuses on different categories depending on what your, you know, what, what you're sort of trying to focus on yourself in terms of your nutrition goals. So one of the categories is iron. Um, So it has a list of foods that are high in iron and also high in vitamin C so that we can increase the absorption. Um, I also have other categories for things like heart health, bone health, um, phytoestrogens, gut health, um, brain and mental health. So, um, you know, depending on what it is that you're Um, focus is you can sort of use that list and go to that as a quick and easy resource to check what sorts of foods could I be considering um, that could help with that particular um, area of nutrition so um, so if you think that's that would be helpful or something that you'd like to have on hand head over to my website Um, I will put my website in the show notes but it is Rachel Cooper dash dietitian um, dot com. No, is that right? Yes. Um, dot com. And I'll put I'll put the link down below in the in the description um, or the show notes and head over there and then sign up to my um, newsletter. So I've sent out a newsletter, not too regular, usually about once a month. Um, just with updates and some extra, you know, information that I think might be useful or helpful. Um, and I'll also, you know, if there's anything new happening um, or anything new that I have on offer, um, I'll be sort of letting my subscribers to the newsletter know first. Um, so if you're interested and, you know, want to get some more updates from me, um, head over to my website, sign up to um, my newsletter and you will get a download link to um, download the free shopping list resource that I've um, developed. So if you do that and you find it useful or have any sort of feedback, please let me know. I'd love to know whether, um, you know, it's something that you're using or maybe if you'd like to see some improvements or anything like that, um, I'm more than happy to hear what you what you think. So that's just a a little aside to let you know that that's um, available. Um, So head over there if if that's something that interests you. So that's it for today. I'm going to end this episode and um, I hope to be back again soon with another wonderful topic. And again, I think I say this each time, if you have any ideas for topics, things that you would really like me to go into more detail about in a podcast, send me a message and let me know. I'd love to know what you would like me to talk about. 
um, and I can do an episode on that um, sometime soon. So thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening and um, I'll speak to you all soon.